0: all right good morning hope center or should i say good morning dear friends so today we are in part three of our series that is this is between you and me it's where we're looking at the times in the bible where it's it says to to do something to one another so stan kicked it off with we looked at encourage one another last week i had love one another and i did watch all of you guys today and um I did mention to kiss one another with a holy kiss, and I saw nobody do that, so that is off the table. We're done. If I see it next week, I've got a hammer. So that is is off the table. So, which brings us to our next one another. Our next one another is serve one another. So, um, I don't know, does anybody want a math lesson again today? No, no. Okay, so we won't do math. How about a uh, science lesson? Great. Science, okay. We're going to do a little biology, maybe a little biology lesson. First, I want to give a little background on this, where we're going to be reading from today. We're going to be reading from Galatians and um, Paul, why he writes this letter. So if you read this letter, and actually there's a lot of letters like this where you get the Jewish Christians are the people that were Jews that be, had discovered faith in Jesus and decided to put their faith in Jesus, they still didn't want to let go of all their Old Testament laws and rituals and, and ceremonies that they had to go through. They, they just didn't want to quite let that go and just realize that you, just, you had to have faith in Jesus, that you had to have, just be a follower of Jesus. And then if those people that, when they finally got to the point where they could accept that people other than Jews, the Gentiles, people like all of us could have that same faith, they wanted all of us to go through the same things and do the same same practices and they kind of were becoming slaves to the law again they had this faith in jesus and they they just didn't realize he was the ultimate sacrifice and that we just had to have faith and so like i said they kind of became slaves to the law and one of the things they were really hung up on was circumcision this is they they wanted these gentiles to be circumcised and I don't know, a few months ago, did you guys happen to see out there on 24th Street in King? Did you see the protesters out there? They're all dressed in white, and they had this red fake blood in their groin area, and they were protesting infant circumcision, so I'm not really sure why I told you that story other than it's, it's just bizarre and kind of funny, but... Um, I think really it's just to show that even over 2,000 years later, we're still arguing about circumcision. So have we really changed? But, you know, Paul's letter, that's what he's addressing. is addressing that we're saved by faith and not being legalistic. So let's pray. Lord, I just pray that today you open our hearts, open our minds, that you um, teach us how to, as we've already looked at, to encourage one another, to love one another, and now to serve one another. In your name we pray, amen. amen. So if you look at today's title, I'm a, as free as a slave. It's kind of a paradox. It's, kind of, uh, it's a group of words that just kind of seem to contradict each other. That just doesn't make sense, to be free and to yet be a slave. And when you look at these, this, this title and you look at the word free or freedom, there's lots of things that come to your mind. I think someone might be is, you know, we live in the United States. It's supposed to be a free country. So there's freedom there. Maybe, maybe I'm free to live where I want to live. I'm free to live in this area or that area, or, or free to go where I want to go. I, I have these freedoms that, that just, I just take for granted. I have a freedom to have whatever job I want. Or I have a freedom to actually, I might have a job, but I have the freedom to complain about the job because I don't like the job. Maybe I have religious freedom. I have religious freedom that uh, I can go to wherever church I want to go to. I can worship and I can come together like us here that I have that freedom to do that. Maybe I have a freedom to watch whatever I want to watch on TV. Maybe I have a freedom to just watch TV. Maybe I have a freedom to look at whatever I want to look at. You know, I can follow laws or I cannot follow laws. I have this freedom—freedom freedom to say what I want or freedom to answer to anyone I want. And you know, maybe we actually in this day and age we maybe we're confused about what this freedom means. There's lots of different things that are going on right now that we're just kind of confusing. But regardless, when I say freedom, I think it's kind of a, it's more of a positive feeling. We 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 appreciate freedom, and we, we don't have real a lot of negativity with it but what about when I say the word slave what do we think of when I hear slave I think we hear of the history of slavery we think of bondage we think of the horrible things that have happened we think of um, somebody owning somebody and somebody just telling them this is what you do and if you don't I'm going to beat you or we have fear we have pain we have anxiety Maybe we're just we're mad about it, or we're sad. We have sad because of the history. It just we're in unbelief. It's a it's just horrific. Some of the things that have happened. Maybe right now we feel entrapped, or we feel like we're a slave to something. We just can't escape. That we're somehow a slave like that right now. But either way, it's still there's a lot of emotions when I say that word, and I think those those emotions are aren't fun emotions. Those are the anger, the sadness, disbelief. They're not positive. But Aristotle, most of us know who Aristotle was, but he had a funny view of slaves. He had um, a view that he couldn't imagine a slave even having a friendship with their master. In fact, this is his point of view. You'll see it on the screen. It says, a slave is a living tool, just as a tool is an inanimate object. So he viewed slaves as a tool, just like this hammer is a tool. So if I use this tool and I hammered something and I was done with it, just toss it away. He had no view, uh, slaves were nothing more than a tool. So Frederick Douglass, does anybody remember Frederick Douglass? I have a few nods. He was an escaped slave. He um, became one of the leaders to actually free slaves, became one of the national leaders to end slavery. And I'm going to read a quote. It's a kind of a long quote. And this is a letter that he wrote to his master, his former, I'm going to put in quotation marks, his master. That after he was free, he wrote this letter. And he's recalling a time when he saw a slave driver actually whip a woman to death. And this is what he says in here. And you can read along on the screen. It's a, it's a long quote. It says, I myself, I am myself, you are yourself. We are two distinct persons, equal persons. What are you, what you are, I am. You are a man and so am I. God created both and made us separate beings. I am not by nature bound to you or you to me. Nature does not make your existence depend upon me or mine to depend upon yours. I cannot walk upon your legs or you upon mine. I cannot breathe for you or you for me I must breathe for myself and you for yourself. We are distinct persons and are each equally provided with the faculties necessary to our individual existence. In leaving you, I took nothing but what belonged to me and in no way lessened your means for obtaining an honest living. Your faculties remain yours and mine became useful to their rightful owner. That first part of that, quote and it's it's long i mean we could spend an hour hours dissecting this but that first part of that when it says i am myself you are yourself we are two distinct people but yet we're equal what you are i am you're a man i'm a man god created both of us but he made us separate beings god created us all Create us all unique. We each have equal value. We're not, we're not in that situation like that. You know, as I said, the word slave, it's a hard word. And today I just want to maybe just have us try to look at it a different way, a different, different connotation, a different meaning. And don't get me wrong, I am not trivializing slavery, I'm not taking anything away from that. It was a horrific time. And I'm not. I'm not doing that. All I'm doing is just challenging us a little bit. So today's passage comes out of Galatians 5, verse 13. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says, "For you have been called to live in freedom, my sisters and brothers. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love." Now, you should know by now that I would not have picked a verse that didn't say love in it. So I had to include that in there. So we're going to start to dissect this a little bit, section by section. It says, so what is this freedom I'm called to live in? Which brings us to our first blank in our outline. I'm free. So remember why Paul's writing this letter. Remember he's writing it because we're caught up in the law. We're caught up in wanting Gentiles to be circumcised. They're kind of in bondage of that. So he was wanting to say, you know what? We don't necessarily need to do that. We need to just have faith in Jesus. We need to, we need to just believe in him and, and not lose that because we're, we're too worried about if someone's circumcised or not. So there's just people wanting to hold on to the law. So let's look at some things of what God's word says about the law and how we should, should view that faith in the law out of Acts 13, 39. It says, Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Romans 3, 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. What I read there is he's talking a lot about this is by faith, by believing, by believing in Jesus by believing in the saving power of Jesus. A couple more verses. Romans 7, 6. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Galatians 5, 4. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Again, we're just saying that Faith in belief, belief in Jesus, faith in him, that's what gets us eternity. That's what gets us to this new life, not by being circumcised. So he's saying that Jesus came for Jew or Gentile. It didn't matter. It was for everyone. It was for everybody in this room, multiple different people, multiple different backgrounds. We all have different stories, but Jesus came for all of us. So that's the freedom we have. We're free by faith. We're free by the faith we can all have in Jesus. So we all share this wisdom. When we let Jesus become our master, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we say yes to him and we have faith, then we're free. But I ask, second blank, am I really free? Does this mean I can do whatever I want? I can act however I want? I can follow laws. I don't have to follow laws. I can follow moral laws. I don't have to follow moral laws. I can follow God's law or I don't have to follow God's law. Is that what we're talking about, freedom? Freedom to just live as I want. You know, another, another word for freedom is liberty. Definition of liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. I find it uh, kind of oppressive to think that if I was an adult to maybe be circumcised, that probably wouldn't be very comfortable or feel very good. So that's kind of what maybe something he was talking about here, Paul. He was saying... We don't, have to, we don't have to be tied to all these laws. We don't have to be tied to these laws that distract us from Jesus. We get caught up over here and we lose our focus. I think Paul is saying, you know what? We're all on the same team. We're all in this together. We're all in this, this thing called life. We're all in this thing called believing in Jesus and being a Christian. We're all on the same team. You know, Frederick Douglass said we're, we're equal persons. God created both of us, but yet we're distinct. But don't we believe in the same God? Don't we have the same faith in Jesus? Then why do we have to be the same? Why do I have to be the same as you? you the same as me. You know, I like it that we're all distinct, that we're all different, that that's the way God made us. Because I have certain gifts and talents. Nancy has certain gifts and talents. Grove has certain gifts and talents. John has certain gifts and talents. We all have certain gifts and talents. We all look different. We all have different abilities. But yet, we can all come together like we are now, as as a body. And we can love one another. We can encourage one another. We can also serve one another. We can be together. But let's get back to the question, am I really free? Paul isn't saying that we're free to do anything we want. If we look at the second part of this this verse, it says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So Christian freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. When we put our faith in Jesus, we aren't bound by the bondage of sin anymore. So, Yes, we are free. We're free from sin being our master. Let's look at John 8, 34 through 36. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I think that's the freedom. That Paul is talking about. He's talking about the freedom found in Jesus. The freedom that we find putting our faith in Jesus. Again, not a freedom to sin, but a freedom from sin. So I think the answer to that question is, yes, I am free. I am free. I'm free from sin. The freedom is an unrestricted liberty or freedom to approach God as his children not an unrestricted liberty or freedom to wallow in our own selfishness, sin. So now let's have a little science lesson. How many have watched geese migrate? Geese migrate. So has anybody ever asked the question or wondered how far they migrate? Well, how many miles? How many miles? Well, the answer is 5,000 miles. About 5,000 miles that they migrate. They start in Alaska or the Canadian tundra and migrate all the way down to Mexico or the Gulf states. So, this one you'll get right to is, is what, why, what formation do they fly in? A V. And do we know why they fly in a V? Well, yeah, it does it, it conserve energy. And actually, if you look closely, when they fly in a V, the next, the bird behind them is actually a little bit higher and then higher and higher. So it kind of goes up, the V. And they do that because it cuts down the wind resistance so that they conserve energy. And then when the one gets tired, they just fall back and another one takes his place. But there's another reason why they fly in a V. They fly in a V to communicate and to keep track of each other. So they c- all can kind of see each other. And then when some gets, one gets tired, they know it's their turn to take, it, take the lead. And then that person can fall all the way back. And if, some, if a goose kind of gets off track, they can, they can honk and make noise and bring that person back. So they form kind of a little ki- community together. And so have you ever noticed that, um, like in military, have you guys seen the fighter planes? Some of those formations, what are they flying? A V probably the same reasons, and I, I just think, I go, God knew what he was doing when he made creation. God so much knew what he was doing. We can look at a goose, we can look at the geese flying in the air, and we can go, huh, I can fly my airplanes like that too, and it's efficient. So back to, back to where, our, where we are, not to get on a rabbit trail so very far, but so what would happen if these geese decided to do their own thing? What if they just decide, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to, that's, that's a long ways, I don't want to fly there. What if George goes and says, you know what, Sally is too slow, I am not flying behind Sally. <laughs> I am not going to do it. And George says, you know what, I don't, I don't want to go 5,000 miles, look at all this food around here. I'm not going to go anywhere, I'm stay right here. Well, what do you think would happen to George? Winter's coming. Winter's coming. George would be dead. George would starve to death. Kind of makes me wonder. Makes me wonder if, what if I use my freedom to do my own thing? What if I use my freedom to serve my sinful nature? Remember a few weeks ago, Stan said that he's going to punch somebody. I kind of like to see Stan punch somebody, but um, remember when he said, when, next time you he hear someone justify a sin because he said, God's going to forgive me. He said, I just want to punch that person in the face. So what if we decide to be like George? What if we decide to be like George the Goose and we don't want to migrate? There's plenty of things right here to do. I'm going to kick my feet back and I'm going to live the life I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to just live out my sinful nature. So where does that lead? It's going to lead to death. So Romans 6. We're not going to read the whole chat. We're not going to read that, but I would just maybe write that down in your notes and maybe take a look at that this week. But Romans 6, it talks a lot about um, putting to death sin, putting to death the sinful nature in our life and, and just being alive in Jesus. I do want to look at verse 23, and I'll read that one. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's that kind of life that that would lead to. So dear friends, don't be like George. Don't be like the goose that decided not to go, that just died on the tundra, starving to death. So now we're to the last last blank. This is is the part of the passage where it says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So the last part is, I'm a slave. Now, if some of you were paying attention, you said, well, hold on a second. That says serve. It doesn't say slave. Well, if you look at the word and you look at some of the meaning of the word, that word serve and slave can be, it's the same word. It's slave. And if you dig a little deeper, the meaning of that word is that it's not a, a slave with one master or a master with a lot of slaves, but yet it's a slave with a lot of masters. So I would see all of you as a master. So, What that means a little bit further is sacrificing our good for theirs, not theirs to ours. Christian liberty or freedom is service, not selfishness. So I think we are slaves. I think we're slaves to one another. And here's the part that did you catch also what it is? We're slaves to one another in love. Now, love is, it's the same word as I talked about last week. It's not the romantic love. It's not brotherly love. It's that love God has for his son. Love he has for us. The love we're supposed to have for one another. It's that kind of love. So, remember earlier when we talked about slavery, Frederick Douglass. Just some of the, he's writing this letter and he's, he's describing that I'm equal to you. I'm the same as you. But you, if you really look, listen to it, he's saying that you treated me poorly and you think that's how slavery was. Remember Aristotle's view, just a tool. just a tool that I just cast aside like that hammer. So if we think that and, and that's what usually our reference of slavery is. When I mention the word slavery, that's I think what we think of. We think of the, just the horrors and this, this, this ick, it's awful. And if that's our point of view of where we're coming from slavery, I'm sorry, I don't want to be a slave to one another. I don't want to be treated that way. I don't, I don't want that. But if I'm a slave to one another in love, I, I ask the question to myself, so can a slave love his master? I think we can love Jesus and love God, because he's our master. But if we are thinking in the frame of a Frederick Douglass or an Aristotle, can a slave love a master? And You know, I didn't find any examples of that kind of deep love. I found some examples of romantic love, but I think that might have been forced romantic love. But I didn't find any of the unconditional love, the deep love, the love God has for us. But I did find this. It says, for love is never greedy. It's never grasping. It is always expansive, generous, expanding. It's never possessive. Truly, to love somebody is not to possess him for myself, but to serve him for himself. Imagine if we changed our point of view to being a slave and to serving one another. If we had that, it's not possessive, it's serving him for himself. We serve out of love. We don't serve because someone owns somebody, we serve because we love them. Another author states, it says, True freedom manifests itself as slavery, as serving one another in love. So we're at that point of my title again, that paradox. I'm as free as a slave. Concepts that don't seem to go together. Doesn't seem like that makes any sense. So remember the geese? Remember the geese? They're they're free to fly wherever they want, however they want, do whatever they want to do. But what happens when they fly in formation, when they work together, when they, when they do what they need to do, they get to their destination. They, they're a community. So we have freedom. We can do what we wanna do. We can follow our own path. We can serve ourselves and not fly in formation, so to speak not take our turn out in front. We can take our eyes off the destination. We can take our eyes off of Jesus. We can choose to live our life in the sinful nature. You know, freedom suggests an open door to fulfill natural desires. But giving control to such desires is not freedom, but slavery. True freedom liberates... Believers from their selfish will, so they will find joy in serving others. So we serve one another. True freedom demonstrates itself as love. It's a a desire to serve one another, to meet each other's needs, to meet one another's needs. You know, you've heard me say in the past, love God, love people. you probably hear me say it a lot more, but that fits into this. If I just love God and I love people I'm going to serve people I'm going to serve one another so we find joy in serving others say that again we find joy in serving others so I've got one last story for you today this is a story of a lady named Marion Preminger Marion Preminger was a very very wealthy person and she was born in Hungary She was, uh, it was about 1913 is when she was born. She lived in a castle. She had everything she ever wanted. She had maids. She had tutors. She had butlers. She had chauffeurs. She had cooks. She had anything she wanted. She had it. She had lots and lots of slaves. In fact, her grandmother had such a view of people, other people, that when they went on trips and they traveled with um, to stay in a hotel or to stay somewhere else, the grandmother made them bring their own sheets because she thought it was beneath them to sleep in sheets of commoners. This is the life Marian grew up in. She had everything. So she had freedom. She had freedom to live in the flesh. She had freedom to feed her sinful nature as much as she possibly wanted and she did she had she got married in Hungary had a that marriage and that marriage failed then she she was married again and she went to Hollywood she went to Hollywood and she lived the life of rich and famous she partied she went extravagant events hobnobbed with the actors and the movie stars and did live life like you would if you're going to fulfill your sinful nature well that marriage failed also. She found herself back in Europe, back in Hungary with her parents. One night when she was there, she had the opportunity to go listen to Dr. Albert Schweitzer, who at the time was very famous. And she went there and she met him. And from that time forward, she actually spent the rest of her life following Dr. Schweitzer. And she went back to Africa with him and worked in the hospital there. So this was a girl that was was born in a castle she lived the life of a princess she had everything she wanted she was accustomed to being waited on she had luxuries that that spoiled life until she had nothing though until she became a servant she became a servant at that hospital where she changed bandages she bathed babies she fed lepers and she became free She wrote an autobiography, it's entitled, All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. It's all she ever wanted was everything. So in this book, it'll be on the screen, she said, she could not get the everything that would satisfy and give meaning until she could give everything. Her desire was to have everything in life. So just she had to focus on the wrong place. She, She had everything too. She had money, she had fame. She had everything that that could give her. But what did it give her? Gave her two failed marriages and being middle-aged and living back home with your family in emptiness, fulfilling that sinful nature. But what she, she eventually found when she met Dr. Schweitzer was she started to begin to live a life of freedom, freedom she found in serving, not serving herself, not serving her sinful nature, but serving others. She found that by serving herself, it gave her nothing. Everything she looked for came from when she gave everything, when she lived that life of serving others. When she died, the New York Times printed a a statement that was said about her, that Albert Schweitzer said, and he says, he goes, Albert Schweitzer said there are two classes of people in this world, the helpers and the non-helpers. I am a helper. And he's referring to Marion referring to her being a helper. So so I ask the question, which are you? Are you a non-helper? How do we look at people? How do we see people? Do I look at somebody and say, what can you do for me? What can I get from you? I want something from you. I need something from you. I deserve to have something from you. I, look, I run around and I look and I just grab and I'm grabbing with hands things that I want, feeding this sinful nature. Notice my hands are clenched. They're held tight because I'm wanting more and more and more. It's never satisfied. I get nothing and we become a slave. I have freedom but I'm, I'm a slave to that freedom. I'm a slave to that sinful nature. And you notice the focus is on who? Focuses on ourselves. Focuses on me. Or are you a helper? What does a helper see each other as? Do I do I look at somebody and I say, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? How ca- what is there something that I can do? Where's the focus now? The focus is on all of you. It's not on myself anymore, it's on you. So, did you also notice something else? My hands weren't like this anymore. My hands were out, and I'm moving towards you. I'm not asking for something from you, I'm trying to give to you. I'm getting everything by giving everything. It's kind of like when I said, a slave with many masters. I see all of you as a master because I want to serve you. Not in the, the term of master, like I said with Frederick Douglass's master. Become my master. I want to serve one another. So let's look at one more here. It says 1 Peter 2 16. It's out of the New Living Translation. It says, For you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. What if we looked at it as we're God's slave, God's servant. I'm as free as a slave. So let's be helpers. Let's not be a non-helper seeking to get everything from everybody else, thinking to get something from somebody else. Instead, what if we considered ourselves God's slave? If we looked at ourselves like Marian, that we gained everything by giving everything. (coughs) What if we looked at it that way? Do you think that would make it easier? Would that make it easier to serve one another in love? Let's pray.